Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. You've been doing at the council some really innovative pieces. I wanted to spend a bit of time um, before we go on to talk about your role at Solace, talking about some of the really impressive things that has been happening. Um, if we could start off just with your level of expertise and area of expertise, you say, around the improvement journey that's been happening within your children's children's service, it'd be great to get some understanding as to how you achieved that and how innovation has fed into that improvement. So, so my background, um, children's services, and um, the bulk of my senior uh, leadership journey in children's has been in places in difficulty. I, I do have a bit of a thing about fixing it. Um, so I t- I've tended to go to places uh, that are struggling and be part of their um, improvement journey. But when I came to St Helens, the previous year, I came in 20, uh, 2020. In fact, I came eight days before lockdown. Um, so you have a plan oh, that is, for your... That is some timing. That is some really good timing. You have a plan for your first 100 days. Mine went in the bin after eight. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Um, but So Children's here had uh, had an Ofsted inspection back in uh, 2019 uh, that rated them as inadequate. Um, and the combination of the scale of the challenge and COVID meant that our improvement um, was didn't accelerate as it should have done in that first couple of years. So we've had a real uh, post-COVID absolute focus on over the last two years um, on our children's improvement journey. Um, and I think the we've reflected on how how we did it because we we went from inadequate to good we leapfrogged requires improvement uh, and we pole vaulted um, to outstanding for um, care leavers, which is absolute testimony to the staff, the managers who have worked their socks off um, and have been brave and bold in doing things differently. Who it wasn't going that well for. So what have you changed, Catherine? Some. Some. So some. Some, some are the same people, some are not. Um Um, I think the difference was, I don't think it's uncommon for people services, particularly children's, to be a bit of an island in councils. And actually, you can't deliver the improvement at pace as an island. So I think one of the ingredients we've reflected on um, that really worked for us in St Helens in that improvement journey was it was a whole council approach. It was everybody's business to get services for children, uh, vulnerable children to be, you know, um, at least good. Um, it wasn't a children's services problem to fix. It was a council problem to fix. Um, but also it was about really stepping back. And one of the the, the sort of the catchphrases, the 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 phrases that were coined here was 
being brilliant at the basics. So get your foundations right. Absolutely cement the everybody, every kid's got one of everything they should have, an assessment, a plan, a review or whatever. Everybody's got it in a timely manner. Everybody's got it of quality and you sequentially move through those stages. And I think that's part of being brilliant at the basics and having that absolute relentless passion and drive to make it better um, has been, you know, um, absolutely key. And, and part of the Ofsted report was um, uh, positive and aspirational culture in services for children. Dramatic improvement in many service areas. The council has robustly addressed previous weaknesses. The council, not children's services have sorted their own mess out, but the council has, you know, and I think that's, they're the two bits for us that really helped us leapfrog and pole vault um, those judgments. Um, the challenge is keeping it there and, and getting to outstanding now. Um, but absolute whole council approach and a big focus on getting the foundations right um, and cementing that quality in uh, foundation practice. It's it's it's, it's absolutely um, so similar when you talk about your children's services to when you listen to uh, uh, elite athletes or elite coaches talking about how they improve sport performance. It is the basics. It is having a sense of identity within your comrades. And it is that relentless pursuit of finding the 1% to improve. Um, I, I just, that's, I mean, firstly, congratulations to your staff and yourself for what a fantastic achievement and what an amazing kind of platform to go into 2024 with, to have that aspiration to be outstanding. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of the other elements that are going on, I can't help but notice it seems every day I'm seeing a new regeneration or place <laughs> yeah. shaping initiative being launched by by the council. Can you tell us a little bit about the place based developments that are taking place in St. Helens? Well, I suppose that's it in the sort of fast approaching four years I've been here, bearing in mind a big chunk of that was was COVID um, and everything that that's done to the regen industry and um, and growth. But we've had an equal um, focus on the people side, as well as um, focusing on the development and regen of the borough. So I think a key role of councils is is that strategically planning to change and evolve the place. I think we've got a big role in place shaping um, and creating those right conditions for investment and um, for econ economic success. That's our long-term solution um, in terms of managing the demand on children and adults, you know. So, um, so our, our sort of um, vision uh, for St Helens is to improve the long-term economic resilience of the borough and address some of those long-standing issues around uh, poverty primarily caused through um, poor, you know, poorly paid employment. We don't have a big unemployment problem. We have a big in-work poverty um, pr uh, problem. So over the last four years or so, um, we've probably done more than the borough had done in the previous 20. Wow. Um, I wonder they're so, tired. <laughs> this is why everybody I see looks tired. <laughs> Um, we've got an amazing programme of, of delivery. We were we secured town deal funding. We secured levelling up funding 
as well as a, a wide range of funding via uh, Liverpool City Region Combined Authority. And our politicians have been really ambitious for the borough. Um, this is just this isn't just an officer thing. This is uh, an absolute um, hand in glove um, officer and, and uh, politician um, vision and, and ambition. Um, and it, I suppose it's a bit of what I was talking about earlier. You spend a lot of money, a lot of time and a lot of energy investing in individuals, families, groups in society. But actually, the long term fix is the place. Uh, you know, uh, and the economy of the place. So we've got two primary town centres, uh, both of whom, uh, both of which are um, in the throes of major regen um, schemes, long overdue, I have to say. Um, massive uh, large scale employment site, uh, which is Parkside, which was an old um, colliery, um, 30 years since the colliery closed. And only now um, are we, uh, regen, and that's the biggest regen site um, across Liverpool City region and has got national significance as well as um, northwest significance. Um, so we've got ambitious master plans for both of the town centres. As I say, we've got um, external funding. We've been uh, looking if, and we've invested as a council. So um more than 100 million of our own money, as well as levelling up and, and town deal. Um, successful CPO, never a pleasant thing to do, but often necessary uh, in record breaking time. Uh, Long term partnership with English Cities Fund, um, which means we can move from plans to delivery really quickly, um, which we've, we've demonstrated, I've got to be honest. Um, part of the town centre, St. Helens Town Centre, um, sustainable offices, internationally branded hotel, family homes, new market hall. So town centres aren't retail anymore. We've got retail parks for that. We've got Amazon for that. We've got town centres are about the place and experience. You know, it's living alongside, you know, some retail and um, a, a more leisure uh, opportunity. Um, one of the, the things we're probably most proud of is um, glass futures. Mm -hmm. So our history in St. Helens is glass making through Pilkingtons. Uh, and we've got um, through glass futures, the, the world's first research and innovation centre to decarbonise uh, the glass industry. Wow. Which is, you know, from it's our history and it's, it's our future. Um, and that development has moved in record time from an idea to being physically built and currently being kitted out. Um, so it's the start of the green um, industrial revolution in St. Helens, really. Um, so we've got a life science investment zone, um, which will bring uh, city region scientific research strength with our borough's manufacturing sort of prowess into groundbreaking um, research um, onshore manufacturing that we lost a long time ago, really. So I've never been as excited as, but it's incredibly busy. <laughs> it's very busy, but what, what I, I, <laughs> I, I really do We've think it's very- We've also got yeah. um, Freeport status for Parkside. Amazing. So, you know, we've absolutely got it all to play for. Um, 
uh, together with a, a whole host of one of the largest brownfield housing developments in the region. Um, we've got a garden village coming online. So it's the place, it's the services, it's the industry, it, it's it's housing, it's the, it's the whole kit and caboodle really. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see it actually all, you know, get to I get impatient. <laughs> well, this is this is it, you know. But there's there's it's wonderful. But there's this cohesiveness to what you're doing with your place shaping strategy because it's not just throwing money at it, where you know which you see sometimes see which is inefficient. You guys have really retained your culture and your sense of identity, but you're delivering homes, jobs, and a future for Saint Helens, which I think is just amazing. But that isn't possible without an organisational culture, you know, in terms of the organisational development that you've been doing with your people. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Because that's equally as impressive and maybe sometimes can go a little bit unnoticed because it's not coming out of the ground. Um, yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, 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 a quite a change, as it were. So when I came to St. Helens, there'd been a um, LGA corporate peer review the previous year um, that wasn't terribly complimentary, I've got to say. Um and one of the issues within that was about the organisational culture. So St. Helens had been very traditional. Um, it was very hierarchical and it was a bit of um, bit of a culture of fear, I suppose, within the organisation. You know, don't put your head above the parapet, don't speak up, don't rock the boat, keep your head down, all that sort of. Um, and that for me, just stifled innovation, it restricted productivity, and it created a done to rather than a done with culture. Um, so one of the key priority for us and a massive challenge during lockdown, trying to shift that organisational culture on teams because everybody was at home. Um, so we invested in our uh, OD uh, team. Well, we didn't have an OD team, but we created uh, an organisational development team. And I think, one again, we've reflected on how it's been as successful as it's been. And we recruited culture champions from across teams and services right across the council. So, and they co-produce with us our sort of organisational values and behaviours, our bonds for working together at St Helens. Um, we developed engagement surveys, focus groups, and massively invested in um, internal communication and engagement. Um, and we're not the finished product by a long way. We've still got much more to do, but we are in such a better place um, um, than we were. So, and I've got to say, one of the things we introduced was a, a NAF title, but a chat with CAF. So it's on Teams. It's dead accessible. Uh, you sign up, you tip up. It's for an hour, hour and a half, and ask me anything you like. Um, so it was an opportunity to do a bit of myth busting, a bit of get it from the horse's mouth. Tell me what's worrying you. Put stuff on my radar. Ask me what you want. You know, if you if there's a comms gap somewhere, ask me and I'll tell you. Um, and I, if I see that in my diary, I think, oh, that'd be great. Um, I was going to say, does there was that not? I mean, firstly, incredibly admirable to be so available to your people, and clearly that's why. If you look at the improvements that's happening, it's because you know you're a very available leader. Must have been quite a bit, quite exhausting though to be to be that available, or did you, did it something that comes very natural to you, and you you get energy from those interactions? 
I've got to be honest, when I first started doing them, I was a bit, oh my God, they're going to ask me stuff I don't know the answer to. I'm going to look like an idiot. Uh, but actually, it's quite remarkable how much is in your head. <laughs> you know how much you absorb as you're going along sort of thing. And I, I'm dead honest. If I don't know the answer, I'll go away and find out and I'll let you know. And if I do know the answer, but I can't tell you, I'll tell you I know the answer, but I can't tell you. But I'll tell you when I can tell you. <laughs> do, you know, um, but lots of engagements. Not it's not just about me. It's the whole ethos of the organisation. So. Mm director engagement in people's place and, and corporate um big investment in in training the culture champions have been an absolute godsend because there are temperature tests there are test it out with them there are conduit messages back up and down the organization and they've got they've had a massive impact and they've got a really crucial role we don't do anything without talking to them anymore um because they're our um you know our engagement piece really um we've developed annual staff awards regular staff surveys pulse surveys managers network so there's a real richness to the engagement um but there's still much more to do um we're not the finished we're not where we're not at destination i'm not sure we'll ever be at destination but um it feels like a place where our workforce is valued, supported, engaged, part of the design of what we do and how we do it. Um, and that brings real richness. What we do and how we do it is much better because we we co-produce that with our staff. It's really, really interesting. I, I, I was just, as you were saying that, I was thinking about just how powerful the the changes that you've made since you've come in have been and that's clear by the results do you have to do a lot of self-development to be in a position to make those informed decisions to make the suggestions or do, is it literally just you're just you, you who you are and that's that's what felt right I mean it, does it what I guess I'm trying to get out here is for those listening at home who's who are listening to very impressive chief executive talk about the amazing thing that are taking place how do you develop yourself as a chief executive um I suppose I'm, well, I think first off, it's not just me. I've got the best senior leadership team in the world. Um, they're, they're brilliant and we're all on the same page. We've put a lot of time and effort into our development as a, a wider senior leadership team, but actually none of this would have happened without them. This isn't about me in, in any way, shape or form. Um, but I'm a, a big fan of um, giving back. I've had a very positive and successful career in local government so I'm a big fan of putting some stuff back so um, I'm a big fan of sector-led improvement I think it has massive benefits so we embrace that we have peer reviews we have uh, you know uh, engagement with the LGA we take the opportunities to look out look up and learn from others um, we take the opportunity to share our learning with others um, and I'm also um, quite active in Solace. Uh, I think since I've been a senior leader, Solace is a, a fabulous opportunity, an organisation to support senior leaders in local government, their development programme, whether that's um, Amplify, Amplify um, which is a relatively new programme for um, 
colleagues who were looking for um, uh, advancement or, or promotion in um, in local government um, development opportunity um, for currently for underrepresented uh, senior leadership levels. So I've, Springboard is another programme I've, I've contributed to and, and, and worked on total leadership. Um, and more recently, uh, been part of a, a brilliant team developing the local government chief executives development framework. Mm. So um, uh, Ignite um, is a programme for serving chief execs. I've, I've been part of that programme um, and coaching and mentoring. So I've been really lucky throughout my career in that I've been able to access through the system um, uh, mentors. So when I first became a chief exec unexpectedly, um, the first thing I did was make contact with um, a serving chief exec to say, can you mentor me? So I needed somebody who I could pick the phone up and say, what the bloody hell do I do with this? Or, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and so I, I do quite a bit of um, coaching and mentoring uh, back again because I've, I've been very lucky. So, you know, what you take, you give back, don't you? Um, so I have about half a dozen uh, folk I uh, coach and mentor uh, across the system. Um, and, and you learn something. That's not being dead generous and giving... I learn something from each of my mentees every time. Um, doing a peer review somewhere else, you learn loads to bring back to the ranch and, you know, develop your own. So you get something out of giving, uh, you know, uh, all the time. And I think local government's a great sector for doing that. I don't know another sector that, that you know, gives um, support and, um, you know, assistance uh, across the sector. So. It isn't about me. It's about the organisation. We've had the political support to make the changes we've made and, and you know, prioritise the way that we have. Politically, we, we, we're very well supportive, brilliant wider leadership team uh, and senior management team. But also we sit in a system where the opportunities to get support and access those um, learning opportunities is readily available and why would you not take advantage of that and then why would you not give something back it's so true but there's no a, brainer <laughs> yeah. final question for you um before we we draw our, our very interesting conversation to a conclusion what is high performance in your opinion in local government meeting customer need within available resources And but to do that, you've got to understand your customer needs. You've got to have that engagement and um, understanding. I think historically councils have had the reputation of doing two. And I think we're getting much better at doing with. Um, and that's the secret, I think, to performing well. It's got to have good governance. It's got to have stable uh, politics. And it's got to have good leadership um, and it's got to be ambitious. Take manageable risk. If, you, if you're too cautious, you will never get anywhere. But this is public money and our residents' futures. We shouldn't be, you know, frivolous with it either. So it's about manage risk, but 
for innovation and, and learning from other sectors who perhaps do it a bit better than us. So high performance is meeting need within available resources and not standing still. I love that. Kath, thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely talking to you. Very nice. Thank you very much for the opportunity. All the best. You've been listening to The Truth About Local Governments. Today we've had uh, the amazing, the exceptional, very generous Kath Dwyer, Chief Executive of St Helens Council, talking about St Helens' journey, career opportunities, uh, and fundamentally how the sector is evolving and what needs to happen to meet the needs of societies tomorrow. Um, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed it, give it a like, give it a share, and tune in later in the week for more episodes. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Now, 87% of listeners who enjoyed the podcast do not leave a review, follow the podcast, or share it. Please, if you liked it, review it, share it, and let's keep spreading the positive message about local government. Thank you.